I'm Keaton. I'm Laura. And we love stories and talking about stories. So we're looking at the Bible as a story that's filled with real people. And we're hoping that if we um, show the human side of these people in the story, um, that we'll see God is real too. That's right. We want to try to read the Bible with curiosity and maybe let our imagination do more work than it gets to do when we read scripture sometimes. So we're going to start with the question, what did these people eat for breakfast? And we're going to see where it takes us. How did they start their day? And how did the rest of the day go? Welcome to The Breakfast Translation. So I don't know if you've been surprised. I've been surprised by how many times we've we've started to record this season and I've thought, we need an explicit warning on this episode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the Old Testament, it doesn't shy away from, from human things, does That's it? That's right. No, we've talked about that a few times, like... Uh, whether it's violence, whether it's sexual, there's just all kinds of human experiences represented uh, in these stories. And today we're going to get into David and Bathsheba. And uh, we're going to treat this as their story together. There's obviously a lot of material on David, mm-hmm. but we're going to kind of just look at this part of their story. We're in Second Samuel 11. If people want to read it for themselves uh, has a part of, of listening, uh, we should say that we've we've kind of moved through. We haven't covered everything. It's a lot of pages. Right. A lot of ink. We can't do it, guys. <laughs> yeah, um, <laughs> It's too much. We get overwhelmed <laughs> by by the by how many breakfasts there are. Um, too much. You can't have too much breakfast. So um, we've skipped through like in the story of Israel, we've skipped past a pretty big part, which is the part where after all the judges and after all these kind of leaders who were not that great, like like a Samson, um, there's a period of time where Israel wants to be like the other nations. Mm. And so they start trying to have a king. And so up until now, they've kind of felt like God was their king. God was their ruler. This voice from the clouds, this voice that showed up through Moses or through some of these human vehicles, that that was their ultimate authority. But they start to think we would have a better reputation or we could win more wars or we could have more land or more fame if we had a king to represent us. Um, So they actually like invite politics (laughs) to play a greater role. Sure. Which was God on board with this too? Do we have, do we know? I mean, in the story, there's some back and forth where God kind of says, I don't think you really know what you're asking for. Right. (laughs) And eventually in the narrative, God kind of yields to them. And so the first king is actually Saul. Mm -hmm. He, uh, he actually has like a breakdown. He, um, it's hard to like, again, we try to be careful with our projections, but he kind of has like a mental health issue. Yeah. Uh, he gets, he also goes power mad, essentially. Um, he gets really nervous about David kind of coming up behind him and being younger and more powerful and well liked. Yeah. I remember that he's threatened by David. Yeah. And so that becomes a big part of his story is that he can't handle it's it's the classic human story of wanting power but not wanting to give it away yeah and so it starts with that very first thing the very first king who wants to grasp the power so much that the power ends up killing him essentially um and so we're skipping past some of that to just get to david's uh to david's story here today uh 
David's story is it's sprawling, right? We, yeah, it's almost too. It's so sprawling that I have to, um, I don't know, take a beat and say, yeah. wait, what, so what, what, what life did he live? Yeah. I mean, because even if you just were somebody who maybe you went to church for a little bit growing up or you kind of know like the highlights of the Bible, you probably know a handful of David stories because mm-hmm. it's just so many things happen. He is ripe for uh, a biopic or a biopic, depending on how you say it. Yeah. It's like a new GIF, GIF uh, question. Well, how do you say it? Uh, historically, biopic. And then I okay. heard someone I respect say biopic. And yeah. so now I'm trying to change, but it doesn't feel authentic. <laughs> I think I hear biopic way more. But we're talking about like, it. the kind of movie where it, it's trying to tell a person's story from birth to death. Right. Or birth to like their legacy. And these have been super popular as of late. They've yeah. come out with some awesome ones. Yeah. You said you haven't seen Elvis. I haven't seen Elvis. I need to, especially because it's streamable now. So yeah. I have no excuses. I just, it's long. <laughs> yeah, it is long. I loved it. It was one of the, like one of my first movies back uh, back in a theater. In a theater. Yeah. Okay. Because I, uh, my parents were big Elvis fans growing up. So when I was growing up, he was the background all the time. Yeah. And I also really love Baz Luhrmann. Okay. Who made it, Mm -hmm. uh, who made Moulin Rouge and a couple other fun movies. Yeah. He's pretty playful of a director. Is that right? Yeah. And what he does with music and visuals together is, I don't know of anything like what he does. Mm -hmm. Um, So the first half of this Elvis movie, it shows all the influences on Elvis's music and his style. So he goes to like blues clubs in Memphis and juke joints. And he goes to like a black church. There's a scene where he's really moved by the music and kind of taken up into this experience. And I just love the way it's filmed. I love the way he deals with that. Um, So it's my favorite biopic or biopic that I've seen. Yeah. It sounds uh, like they framed it really cool too, to see all of the things that added up to who Elvis is and giving credit where credit is due. It does have this really weird thing in that it's kind of told through uh, Tom Hanks plays his manager. So Tom Hanks, not the most successful manager. Yeah, not a good manager and also just a very bizarre accent choice that he makes. He's never been a very good actor. <laughs> hottest, that's the hottest take we've ever had on here. Keep in case, send your Since emails. Tom Hanks, to... you could do better. You could do better. <laughs> well, I think that's why it's so shocking is because you do expect him to be good. And then he starts talking and there's this part where he just keeps talking about the snow. It's the snow. <laughs> like, and it just wasn't working. I've but, heard that from more than just you. I haven't seen Elvis yet yet, which is on me. So yeah. I need to catch up. But I have heard that Tom Hanks um, leaves something to be desired. So Tom Hanks, if you have anything to respond. <laughs> yeah, us in to defend your choices. Uh, yeah, you'll once you do see it, you will. It'll make the winter different for you because oh, it'll wow. start snowing. You'll be like, it's snowing. It's snowing. <laughs> We're going to make the snow. Um <laughs> It, that accent that I just did is just as good as Tom Hanks' wow. accent in okay. the movie. Okay. So, which so is indistinguishable. Elvis too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, they should call me. Um, yeah, any, do you have any favorite biopics that yeah, you've seen? I eat up all of the biopics that have been coming okay. out lately. So except there's, um, for Elvis. Except for Elvis. I haven't done that yet. I'm daunted by the length, but I will. <laughs> yeah. I will sit down. Maybe I'll break it up into two parts. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, lo- I really loved Rocket Man and I loved Bohemian Rhapsody. And I think part of that might be because I, I know some people have some um, 
differing opinions, but I appreciate them enough that they're like part of my life, but they're not central to it. So my expectations were low and I just was entertained and especially yeah. Rocket Man. I feel like they did a lot of really playful, whimsical moves in that movie that I thought were really um, a fun way to make him larger than life. So. Yeah. I think there was a real pressure to make them more creative mm -hmm. because it had gotten to where like, there was the one with Ray Charles. It was... Uh, the Johnny Cash one, and mm -hmm. there, you started to like see what the form was. Oh, so you had they were trying to break yeah. break away from that. I okay. think so, especially because after that, the the parody was the the walk hard, the Dewey Cox story. Okay, and I think it just kind of played at all these beats that they always have like some suffering when they're young that sure. they have. Some moments of pure inspiration where they realize what they're supposed to do. They sure. they have like initial failure and then giant success. Then they get into drugs. Then they yeah. like then they fall apart and right. have a a revival of some sort. So yeah, I think it almost got to where that's comical, and so they had that to get so more creative. Yeah, yeah. Well, and imagine a lot of those stories are repetitive because I imagine a lot of the um, pressures of fame early yeah. had a lot of the same downfalls. Yeah, the actual so part lives. of the repetitiveness of it is because it's a human story. Yeah, but nonetheless, we want to be entertained in new ways. That's right. When you start to see it all coming, it's <laughs> mm -hmm. it's not as much fun. So. I think David, of all the people in the Bible, he's the one person where we have so much material. Mm -hmm. He could be a biopic. Yeah. Uh, and I think there have been efforts to like turn it into a story, but I don't even know if you could fit it into Elvis is probably two and a half hours. <laughs> I don't even know. <laughs> we need like a mini series, in. an eight episode okay. hour long. Yeah. It would have to go to Netflix and be eight, eight hour long episodes. It'd have to be The Crown. Mm -hmm. Oh, it could be called The Crown. It could be called The Crown. <laughs> That's a good name for uh, it. Could be called the other crown. Uh, the other, yep. Mm -hmm. Oh, is the crown already taken or something? That's right. <laughs> so we get his like. Let's just hit. What are the highlights? Right. He has that boyhood story. Yeah. It's a, he's got a rags to riches. Yeah. He gets overlooked to fight off Goliath and then ends up showing up with his little baby slingshot. Pow. Yeah. Sends mm -hmm. the, the rock right at, at Goliath's head, takes him out. We have him uh, making his later debut in the world as a good soldier. Yes. <laughs> like, and that's what gets him a lot of recognition is because his, um, his her heroism. Yeah. And that gets him so much attention that Saul's jealous of him, that they have kind of a power battle. But we also get this glimpse of him as an artist. Right? Oh, I don't remember. Well, because he writes all the psalms. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So he's like, uh, whether or not he's an actual musician, I don't know. But it a lot of psalms are ascribed to him. Mm -hmm. And there's certainly artistry to them. Mm -hmm. So, so he's how, winning best all around. Exactly. Yeah, he's got... <laughs> you. You could see why he's popular with the ladies because he's a soldier artist. You know, that's he's checking off a lot of boxes. Does there. both, yeah, and get you get you a king who does both, right? Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> so we it gives us this. I think especially with him because of the Psalms, we get a rare uh, glimpse at his internal mechanisms, mm -hmm. at how he feels about the world. We get a look at his actual relationship with God. Um, we get his songs about experiencing God has a refuge. We get his songs of despair or his Psalms of despair. We get his prayers for confession and repentance. And so with most of the other characters in the Bible, with other people, we don't get this much information about what's going on inside of them. And so it makes sense that his story overshadows Bathsheba's story. Right. 
But I think it's worth drawing her story out of this, right? Because her encounter with David is his biggest, one of his biggest failures. Right. And you only get to really appreciate it for the sake of it being his failure versus her experience yes. as well. And he's still heralded as a hero for it because we get his confession in Psalm 51, where he's very honest about destroying his life um, and wrecking who he thought he was before God. Um, and just to, to highlight that, right, he has this moment, he sees this woman bathing. I, for a lot of years, heard that she like invited it in some way, but that is not in the text. No, they just decided that, she, oh, she was yeah. performing. Yeah. Oh. In the text, it's like he sees her and wants her and he's the king. So of course she has to show up when he calls and they sleep together. Um, then he, she ends up getting pregnant. Her husband is away at war. So he tries to like maneuver it so that as soon as Uriah, her husband comes home, he like tries to get Uriah to go sleep with your wife. So oh, that the as baby if that looks timeline like, would make yes. sense. And, and Uriah is like, no, I, I'm still in soldier mode. Like I can't, I'm not going to go do, do that. that. And so David basically has him sent to the front lines to be killed. Mm -hmm. I mean, so it's not even, you can't even say it's like a momentary lapse. No, it seems it's very, um, there's a lot of decisions that yeah. happened over He's a long scheming. period of time. He's manipulating people to mm -hmm. cover up this. And so Bathsheba, who is just a footnote in the story, I always want to like think about what is the story like from her side? Because then, so they actually end up losing that child. And the, the text kind of reads like that it was sort of a punishment um, to David. Um, and she really, then Uriah does get killed on the front line. So she loses her marriage to death. Uh, and then just kind of a loss of whoever she was before this situation. And I just think it's, there's so much happening in this story. Mm -hmm. Um that I always want us to at least give some that it's interesting to me that for all I've heard so many messages about David and there've been books and movies and songs and it feels like his point of view is all over the place. So we are going to do something here a little bit later to just help us for a second imagine um, what this must've felt like to Bathsheba. We also get a confrontation with Nathan uh, that, that kind of leads to David realizing he messes up. He gets this, this prophet who comes to him and tells him the truth that what he's done is wrong. Uh, I think wrapped up in this story is also the one line that people go back to all the time that David is described as a man after God's own heart. And, and I don't think we quite know what to do with that. Mm -hmm. um, on the one hand, we can use it for a lot of grace to say that you could you could mess up in these kind of giant ways and still be described as somebody beloved by God and somebody who's trying to find God. Um, but I've also heard it like used to like hold people up even after they've been abusive or cruel to people. Mm -hmm. um, that they're still godly. They're still and it. I don't know. I feel a lot of tension. Yeah. You know, I struggle. I, I honestly, I skirt David's story a lot because I don't know what, to do with it and it sits somewhere uncomfortable in me whether yes. it's conscious or subconscious sometimes I just don't like to think about it too long yeah because it it feels uncomfortable to me I think we also don't quite 
want to imagine a world where women are that powerless. Mm-hmm. Um, later on in the story, and who knows if he really, if he learns from this, uh, but later on in the story, it, it describes him as having this woman in his life named Abishag, who is just a blanket to him. When he gets old and like older and his circulatory system is failing, mm-hmm. it essentially describes him as like having this woman who just lays with him to keep him warm at night. Wow. Um, and I think that's, that's hard for us to, to imagine. And it's hard for us to think this is a person God elevates. Uh, there is one thing that, cause David has this ambition to build a temple and God seems to prevent David from being that person. Uh, it ends up being David's later son, Solomon, who ends up being the one who gets to build the temple. So whether that's purposeful or not, we don't, I don't know if we can say for sure, but I can't speak on behalf of God. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if you had your way about it, maybe you would agree with God's decision here to maybe, maybe don't let him do at least one thing, you know? Um, but yeah, let's, let's for a second, imagine what do we uh, we'll go We This is a serious story, obviously. Yeah. But what does he do in the morning? Yeah. What do the two of them do for breakfast? When I think of what David might do in the morning for breakfast, I think of um, potential inconsistency. Like okay. I think maybe he doesn't know what his favorite is or maybe it <laughs> changes. So maybe he doesn't have that routine because yeah. he's lived so many different lives and because he um, seems to have like a, a deep yearning inside of him for something else. So um, I picture him, I picture him changing it up a lot in the, in, in, in pursuit. Yeah. Whether it's for better or worse, he's a person who has like that, like a hunger for life. Right. And, and so maybe that would translate to he has an omelet one day, he has waffles the next day, he tries fruit, he tries every, he, yeah, he yeah, has he's three trying to figure courses. out what this whole life thing is all about. Yeah. Like there's an inconsistency there. And I think he demands flavor. Mm. Mm-hmm. That's because a great what point. I think we see him doing is he, he wants everything to, to have meaning. Mm-hmm. You know, when you read the Psalms, that, that's where I say we, we maybe give him more sympathy because we have a sense that he, he is filled with this, this hunger for life to be um, meaningful and layered. Any thoughts on uh, Bathsheba? What Bathsheba might eat for breakfast? It, I feel like it's too hard to say yeah. without knowing who she is. We don't know her actual character, do we? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, so I wonder if that's a part of it, that she would be the woman that you almost never see eat. Right. Yes. That's a great. Not necessarily idea. out of like a, a disordered eating habit, but just out of a... Like almost like you're supposed to disappear, be invisible. Like maybe she sneaks away mm-hmm. to actually take food in um, for her own protection. Um, I do think this story, I as much as we struggle with it, I do. Again, it's I've always said that like the hardest parts of the Bible to read are sometimes the things that make it seem most true. So the fact why, that like, why would they include this? Yes. Why would you tell this story if you had, cause David is by far the most successful King. Right. Um, I mean, Solomon does get to do a lot of good things, but David is this like hero. Right. In the story. And they have the, there is a certain authority to be able to choose what makes it into the, into the Bible. And this stood. Yeah. I mean, if you think about myths, I mean, maybe in the, in the spirit of like a biopic, there is a, a part of the story has to be about failure, but I don't feel like you would tell all these details. Mm-mm. You know, like maybe you would include the affair, 
Um, but I don't think you would tell that he had his husband, her husband killed. Like, I just mm -hmm. don't know. I don't know if you would include his friend confronting him. If you wanted it to be a true myth, maybe you might cover over some of that reality. Well, I, I love the, I love the story being included partially because it does like that. Having the honesty of this story be there does make it led some credit credibility to the story. Uh, and it also is a story of redemption. It is a story of restoration. We do have Psalm 51. I think what I always want us to talk about when we talk about David's story is that every, all the grace we extend to him, we need to also extend to Bathsheba. Mm -hmm. And that to the degree that that informs the way we treat people in community, we have to distribute that also. That we're we're often willing to give a lot of grace to people in power. Right. But we have a harder time sometimes extending grace to the powerless. And... Uh, you know, I write every once in a while I get these, like, I write these like meditations. Um, and it actually started for me with Bathsheba. This is oh, the first, one, the I first one. Yeah. Cause I was like, I, I never, I've never heard anybody give her a voice. I've never mm -hmm. heard anybody defend her. Like, and I just wanted to imagine what it would be like the next time Bathsheba goes to take a bath, basically. Yeah. Yeah. It very fits into our um, theme of just trying to imagine, um, how human these people are in the Bible and bring, bring to life a little bit, some of the in-between moments. So yeah, she, they're, they're not just our lessons, right? She's not just our lesson. She was a person by all accounts. And so uh, we'll finish with just a reading um, on Bathsheba. She wants no needs to make sure the water covers her. She runs it through her hands first. She holds it. She watches it move and she pours it over her legs. Then her hips, her belly, her chest. She holds it to her face, pausing before she soaks her eyes and her mouth. The soap smells like her favorite tree from a field she used to know. She treats this water like it is her only hope. To clean off all the secrets that her body holds. The shame she worries could become her new skin. It all started with a bath like this. Preparing her body to welcome her husband home, to make a place of peace in the days of war. She didn't know someone was watching. She's heard people talk like she knew. If she knew, she wonders, would she have moved faster or slower? If she knew that her hands held her husband's life, how would she have moved them? If she knew that her breast would nurse a child she would bury at her feet, would she have covered them? She counts on her soapy fingers what she has lost. One, a marriage lost to lust and war. Two, a child lost to sickness and wrath. Three, four, five, her own heart, mind, and soul lost to a king. And now this body lost to carry and birth again. And for just this moment, she moves like it might belong to her. She is filled with a wisdom she wishes she could wash away. Look and the story.